This is How Sound from PRX, the public radio exchange. Bonjour, ça va? I'm Rob Rosenthal, host of How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling. I can't tell you how many times I've had to deal with problem tape, things that I've recorded, but especially problem tape that comes from students who I work with all the time. By problem tape, I mean recordings with hum from a refrigerator or P-pops because a mic was held too closely to someone. Hiss is a common problem, too. Usually a recording is hissy when it's recorded too low. But recently I encountered a really bizarre kind of problem tape. The recording was perfect, actually. No hiss, no hum, none of those problems. Instead, the issue was that the sound on the recording was inaudible in most listening environments. It's perfectly recorded but hard to hear. That's because most speakers in car radios, headphones, or computers can't reproduce this sound. Here's what I'm talking about. Lily Sullivan was a student of mine at the spring 2013 Transom Story Workshop. Lily stumbled across the story of a whale that sings at an unusual frequency, 52 cycles, or 52 hertz. That's lower than the hum of a refrigerator. It's a pretty low note. When Lily played us a recording of the whale in class, we were stunned. The low, rumbling, I guess you could call it a thrum of the whale, just it grabs you. It's sort of like a punch in the chest. You can't ignore it. But we use some pretty darn good speakers in class. They can reproduce a wide range of frequencies from the very low to the very high. You can hear just about everything in these speakers, including the whale. But most radio listeners don't have speakers like this. People listen to audio stories in their car or on their earbuds or a kitchen radio. Those devices typically have run-of-the-mill speakers, speakers that can't reproduce the sound of the whale, at least not very well. For example, I can't hear the whale on my built-in computer speakers. I play the recording and nothing comes out of the speakers. Let's give it a try right now and see how you do. Here's the whale. Could you hear that? If so, great. But I'm guessing a lot of you couldn't. So to make sure everyone could hear the whale on average speakers, Lily had a friend bump up the recording an octave. They shifted it to a frequency that most speakers would be able to handle. This version of the recording comes through perfectly on my computer speakers. Unfortunately, that sound isn't as ear-catching as the unaltered song, not even close. So we decided to keep both sounds in the story and play them at the same time. If a listener has ordinary speakers, great, they'd hear the altered sound of the whale. And if they had good speakers, they'd hear both the altered and the unaltered sound, like this. I have to say, I'm not entirely satisfied with that solution. But what's the alternative? Produce a story where there are long gaps of silence for listeners who don't have excellent speakers? No, that's not an option. And besides, the story is just too good to limit it to an audience of listeners with decent speakers. So here's the story, The Loneliest Creature on Earth, by Lily Sullivan. In 1989, Joseph George found something that he'd think about for the rest of his life. It was a sound. Joe was a technician in the Navy at the time. We looked for you know, submarines and that, you know, in the open ocean, and we tracked everything we could. It was the end of the Cold War, and Joe was an acoustic analyst. He had spent the past 20 years monitoring the ocean for anything that could be a Soviet ship or a submarine. But that day, the sound he picked up was unidentifiable. 
It was coming from miles away and louder than a jet. It pulsed with machine-like repetition. We were going along. We saw this signal come up. So we take a better look at all the characteristics of it. And we were you know, looking at this and I was going, holy cow. To help decipher what it was, Joe called an expert in another field, Dr. William Watkins, a marine biologist at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. And when he looked at that, he says, oh yeah, it's definitely biological. It looks like it could be a whale. It was a whale, but nothing else about it made sense for three pretty important reasons. First, this whale's path was off. Whales usually travel in groups called pods, but as far as Joe and others could tell, this whale was off course. It was on a different migratory path from other whales. Some years he tracked from the Gulf of Alaska straight down to Baja, California. The other times he'd track east and west, and then there'd be other times he would meander. Second, its song was wrong. It sounded like no species they'd ever heard. The nature of its call suggested the whale was huge, like a blue whale or a finback, and male. But those kinds of whales usually vocalize at around 20 hertz. That's incredibly low. 20 hertz is lower than the lowest note on the piano. But this whale's calls were much higher than they should have been. He started out at 52 hertz. We could pick him up quite easily because he was so distinct from the rest. The largest whales, the finbacks, the blue whales, they're the biggest creatures on Earth. And they're also the loudest, by far. Their calls rumble and pulse at unbelievable volumes. But these same calls are almost too low for human ears. In fact, these recordings have been bumped up an octave. Because a lot of radios can't even play sounds at such low frequencies. But we've also included the unaltered song throughout the story. Some people will be able to hear it. Some people won't. So lean in close. This whale calling out at the wrong frequency, that is a huge deal for a whale. Sound is crucial. Sound is their world. They use sound to navigate and find food. Also, to communicate with other whales. Whales are extremely social creatures. They pretty much always travel in pods. And this is the part that is really different and what really caught Joe's attention. When this whale called out, Joe could never detect any response. Oh, yeah, there would be groups. Because sometimes whales will mimic each other, like with blue whales. But with the 52, there was nobody else mimicking it. There was nobody else like it. And the whale called out again and again. Silence. From that day on, Joe would spend the next 13 years studying the whale with Dr. Bill Watkins and a team of Woods Hole scientists. They started calling the whale 52 hertz after the frequency of his song. But the more they studied this whale, the more questions they had. They couldn't figure out why his song was so strange or why his path was so off. There are theories that suggest that other whales can't hear 52 hertz because of his song's high frequency, or that he can't hear other whales, or that he vocalizes like that because he's a hybrid, a cross between two species. And because he sounds so strange, other whales are frightened of him and don't respond. When a whale keeps silent, that's how a whale hides. One thing's for sure, 
In 13 years of tracking him, Joe never detected any response. I'd always be looking for something else to see if there was anything else there like that. And, you know, through the years, it was the only vocalization like that in, I'll say, the North Pacific Ocean. Despite his apparent solitude in the ocean, 52 Hertz has a growing community on land. In fact, some people are fanatical about him. In 2004, Joe, Bill, and the Woods Hole team published a paper about their research. A few months later, the New York Times science section ran a small article about it. The article was called Song of the Sea, Acapella and Unanswered. Andrew Revkin was the journalist who broke the story. Revkin writes about some of the most critical environmental issues of our time, climate change, energy, water scarcity. But when he wrote this article, his inbox exploded. He got emails from tons of people concerned about the whale. Not just scientists, either. General readers. Artists. The deaf community. From there, the tale of 52 Hertz started to take on a life of its own. That's when people started to call him the loneliest whale in the world. The story turned from science into something else. Myth. And poetry. Ode to 52 Hertz. While monitoring enemy subs in the Pacific, hydrophones classified a distinct basso profundo That's poet Kamiko Han. When she read Revkin's article in 2004, it struck a chord. For 12 years, he's been calling out to no response. She spent a long time with the story, thinking about it, trying to figure out why it resonated. I think that on a very human level, we can imagine that or and, and even feel it in our gut it's not just that it's it's painful that isolation having no one being alone did you feel like you identified with the whale yes <laughs> yeah she's not the only one people have written songs entire albums dedicated to 52 hertz here's one song from a musician named laura ann bates It's called The Loneliest Creature on Earth. An illustrator in Germany made a children's book. A few weeks ago, a Facebook post was shared 60,000 times in just a few hours. 20,000 people wrote comments. One person asked, why can't we help it? Another person asked, why can't it be tagged with something to rebroadcast the calls at a lower frequency? At this point, with all these reactions, it's possible that some people care more than scientists do. Kamiko doesn't think romanticism, in this case, is a bad thing. It's not bad for us to feel so deeply about another creature, and maybe we can't feel that deeply towards other people sometimes. So this creature becomes a kind of recipient, or a symbol, rather. That it cried out to a human since no others listened. That it knew no others listened or feared as much. That we think so and can bear sentimentality. That we listen for such opportunities with frequency. While the world was falling in love with 52 Hertz, Joe, the Navy analyst who had tracked him, had no idea. He and Bill had started their research in 1989, and they put out their paper in 2004, 
Bill Watkins died just a month after they published it. Bill never lived to see that Times article. And Joe, living on an island in the Pacific Northwest, thought the project was over. That was almost 10 years ago. But it was only a few months ago that Joe heard that the story was still alive, when a filmmaker called him up out of the blue. He says, yeah, they're on the internet. There's blogs and everything on it. You know, I never thought of going on there to look for that. I don't know why, but it's kind of overwhelming, really, at first, looking at all that and just going, how in the world? I, you know, I didn't know there was that much interest in the whale. The filmmaker asked Joe to help him with his documentary, a mission, really, called Finding 52. Joe agreed to help, and he'll be on the trail of 52 Hertz again soon. But as for the loneliness? No, it's funny with that. I think the people who take a look and uh, talk about the whale being lonely and swim out there real lonely and so forth, yeah, I think they look at it more romantic. We joked about it here and there, and he's singing and no one's listening. Did you ever have a moment where you did think, that is a little sad? Hmm. Hmm. No. <laughs> no, I'd say no. To me, I look at more science, finding out more about the ocean and its diversity. He could have been out there by himself. He may not. Really, we don't know. And why were there so many unanswered questions? Because in all this time, they'd never actually seen 52 Hertz. They'd only ever heard him. To this day, no one has ever seen him. Not even Joe. We have no idea what he looks like. It'd be like looking for a needle in a haystack out there. Because the ocean is big. You're looking for one whale. Maybe Joe doesn't worry about 52 Hertz being lonely. But he certainly cares a lot about him. Maybe more than anyone alive. Almost 25 years after the day he first heard his call, Joe is once again going to start listening for 52 Hertz. This time, he wants to find him. Oh, yes. That, I think that would be so interesting. That would be like, you know, the end of the story. But then again, you know, I say the end of the story, but you know, it can open up a whole new book again after you find out. I'd say probably close a chapter. How's that? In the meantime, whales like 52 Hertz... They live almost 100 years. 52 Hertz's calls have deepened a bit over the years, so scientists think he's still young. They also think he's healthy. At least, it's extremely unlikely that a sick whale could survive so long, migrating year after year, alone. So if he is young, and if he is healthy, then he may live many more years, swimming on the wrong path, calling out the wrong song. In Woods Hole, Massachusetts, I'm Lily Sullivan. Lily calls that piece the loneliest creature on Earth. She produced it during the spring 2013 Transom Story Workshop. A quick little story before I duck out. At the end of the Transom Workshop, students play their pieces at a public event. Usually the room is packed with over 100 people who, unbelievably, in this day and age, sit and just listen to radio stories for a couple of hours. I like to call it Radio Church. Anyway, on the day of the most recent event, I went down early and checked out the sound system. And in particular, I played the sound of 52 hertz through the speakers. Well, guess what? I could barely hear his low thrum. The octave higher song was audible, but the low unaltered song was missing. 
Well, I was so determined to make sure that whale was in the room during the event, I ran and grabbed a speaker that we use in class and set it up in the back of the auditorium. I ran the test again, and it was perfect. 52 hertz filled the space, like wall-to-wall whale. So if you didn't really get to hear 52 hertz in all his glory, you should re-listen on your best set of speakers. It's worth the effort. Right now at PRX.org, there's a series of stories produced by WGBH that I think you should know about. The series is called Underground Trade, From Boston to Bangkok. Philip Martin produced it. Martin's a senior investigative reporter at WGBH. He traveled the U.S. and East Asia exploring the modern slave trade of human trafficking. It's pretty mind-blowing. Be sure to listen. This is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling. It's produced by the Public Radio Exchange, prx.org. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Thanks for listening. Transom.org.